It's Shani on Shani Speaks Now. Hey there, Faith fam, and welcome to another edition of My Fill in the Blank Story, an interview series where I hope to amplify the voices of women as they share their reproductive health stories. This month's edition is my hysterectomy story as my close friend, my homegirl, Patria Algila, shares her experience of getting a total hysterectomy at only 35 years old. We dig deep, we get vulnerable, and hopefully you'll leave this interview feeling a little bit more educated and inspired. So please stay tuned and check it out. So first of all, welcome, welcome, welcome to everybody that is on live with us. Um, For those of you that don't know me, because I know that I have a lot of people that are on here to support my good friend, my good sis, Patria. So for those that don't know me, my name is Shani Jones. I am located in the beautiful Orlando, Florida. Um, But I am a host, I'm a speaker, I'm a content creator, I'm a realtor, I am a lover, I am a friend, I like Mm -hmm. long long walks on the beach, no, but I'm just (laughs) Um, But I honestly created the series, um, which is called My Fill in the Blank series, because of my own personal issues in regards to women's reproductive health. Um, For those of you who don't know me and don't know a little bit about my story, Really, in 2021, me and my husband were trying to have or trying to start a family, I should say, and I was having some difficulties with that. And in my discovery of figuring out why I was not able to have a child, I found out that I had uh, fibroids. I had to have fibroid surgery at the end of 2021. Um, I was able to successfully have those removed and by the grace of God was able to get pregnant, but suffered a miscarriage a couple months after that. And then found out that I had to have another surgery because there was another fibroid that was discovered. And in all the things that happened, I really felt like, why didn't I know about fibroids before? I also have endometriosis. Why didn't I know about that before? Um, Mm -hmm. I knew people personally that had had miscarriages, but it never affected me on such a bigger level. So I was curious about what makes women go through this? How are they feeling when they go through this? And as I shared my story, I realized that there were so many women and I didn't have to go far. Women in my sphere. Mm-hmm. Women that are my friends that have suffered through these things, that have had these experiences, and we're just not talking about it. And because I already am big on speaking and, you know, sharing, I just said, all right, God, what do you want me to do with this experience? What do you want me to, to yeah. how do you want me to use it? And um, he wanted me to talk and share my story. And then in sharing my story, I started hearing stories of other women and what they've been going through and what's been happening in their lives. And um, this year, even though it's something that kind of came to me last year, I decided, you know what, I wanna amplify the women, the voices of women who are going Mm -hmm. through difficulties when it comes to their reproductive system. Even if they're not trying to have children, if they're women, they all have a reproductive system. We all have ways that our bodies (laughs) were created and made to work. And sometimes they don't function the way that we thought they would. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to create community so we didn't feel weird. We didn't feel like we were alone. Um, We didn't feel afraid to talk about it. We didn't feel like um, we should be ashamed. And that is really what this is all about. So this series called My Fill in the Blank Story basically is going to highlight reproductive issues that women may have. Everything from fibroids, endometriosis, issues that they have in delivery and labor, cancer, we're talking about hysterectomy today, postpartum depression, um, just all the things, PCOS that can happen with women and just giving them a voice and opportunity to share their stories. And as they share their stories, other people feeling like, yes, me too, I understand, but also hopefully allowing them to get it out. One of the things that really helped me 
in sharing about my fibroids, sharing about my surgery, sharing about my miscarriages, that as I talked about it more, I was learning more about myself. I was learning more about my pain. Mm -hmm. I was learning more about my healing and it was helping me to heal. And I think that for a lot of women, they carry these burdens because they don't get a chance to talk about it. They have to stuff mm -hmm. it. They have to keep it in. Um, they aren't able to share it the way they want to. And I just wanted to be able to have a platform. And God has given me not only a platform through social media to do it, but he's blessed me with people who are willing to share their stories. Mm -hmm. So with that mm -hmm. being said, I really want to be sure that those that are on here understand that this is a sensitive topic. You know, this is something that mm -hmm. is very vulnerable, very personal. So I pray that you all will give the respect that is due to the lady of the house that is sharing today. Um, and just understanding that it takes a lot of courage. It takes mm -hmm. a lot of bravery. This is, it's not easy. And we're going to dig deep. Um, my friend Patria's story here is, is, is a deep one. Um, and I think that we'll all learn a lot of things. I think and even us doing kind of the pre-interview prior to this, that I learned so much. And I'm grateful to be able to be doing this again. The first one that I did was with my sister, Marika, who's on today about her story where fibros and fibroids and fertility are concerned. And I'm glad that we're able to talk about uh, hysterectomy now. So yeah. with all that being said, we will officially, officially get started on the topic. So today's my fill in the blank story is my hysterectomy story. And my friend Patria here, just for a little background, me and Patria have known each other since I was 19 years old. Um, don't try to count the numbers, don't try to, try to figure out the ages, okay? Like 25 just now, we still, now. Just now we still look good, okay? That's all you gotta worry about. Uh, but we started working together. We went to the University of Central Florida here in Orlando. We started working and met at this place called Reach Peer Education, which basically was a part of the wellness center <laughs> at UCF. And we were sex health educators, okay? Yeah. We literally went around to campuses to schools, middle schools, high schools, at UCF, yeah. to different classes. And we shared how to take care of themselves sexually in a safe way. Um, we also were HIV testing counselors. So we were literally at 19, mm -hmm. when I think about it now, it blows my mind. At 19, 20 years old, we are having to tell people whether they were negative or positive yeah. uh, for HIV. Mm -hmm. um, we also talked about body image. We talked about alcohol abuse, um, drug yeah. abuse. So that's how we met. Um, when she first came in, I think I had been there maybe a semester before her and we were supposed to like, I think I was supposed to be kind of training her. Yeah. Um, whether that was really training or not, I believe she learned some things from me, but who knows? But we became partners in us being able to go around campuses. We were partners together a lot. So that forged a friendship mm -hmm. that has lasted beyond the years. Yeah. And I have to tell the story because to this day I laugh at myself. But, you know, Patria is from Boston. She's from Lowell. You know what I'm saying? Her deep Boston accent may come out on the call. Um, I don't know if it's <laughs> or whatnot, but whatever. But um, I was, we were, I was training her and we were just talking and all of a sudden she got a phone call. Apparently it was from her mother. And all of a sudden my girl goes into deep Spanish. Now my not so bright self, because I was taking Spanish at the time. I was like, oh, she must be a Spanish five because her Spanish is fire. No, she's Dominican. Okay. She's she's Dominican. That's why I that's why her Spanish is fire. Okay. She I thought she was just, you know, black girl like me. She's Dominican. Okay. So that's why. Um, that was so so um, but we've been tied to the hip ever since. Um, she's not just a friend. She is family. Um, she is very, very close to my parents, to my brother, to my sister, mm -hmm. to my friends mm -hmm. over the years. And I know that mm -hmm. her family, especially her mommy's on the line, um, are watching. So to the Alguila family, I love you all. I appreciate you all mm -hmm. for allowing 
your sister daughter uh, to be a part of my life for so long. Um, mm -hmm. But one of the things that I can say is me and Pasha know a lot about each other. We have been on trips together. We have, you know, done all the things. She was in my wedding. But one of the things that I honestly can say that I did not know fully, even though I do remember when she had her surgery, I do remember going by to visit her, is I didn't know the fullness of her story. And it wasn't until we talked roughly about a week or so ago that I really learned exactly what it was that she really went through. Um, at the mm -hmm. time, you know, five years ago when this happened, she was 35 years old. Um, this happened for her in February of 2018. I had just got engaged a month prior. She was in my wedding. There was so much going on. And even though I knew she was having surgery and I knew it was serious, I never knew all the things that were taking place. And we're going to dig deep into that. And I'm so glad, so happy that my friend is at a point now where she is healed from everything that took place because it's a traumatic thing to go through that and wants to share her story. And um, I don't think it's anything but God's timing. Um, mm -hmm. Even all things well, yes. that we're able to dig into yeah. it. So yeah. first and foremost, uh, I want Patri to introduce herself for those that uh, don't know her on this call. Just share a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you are doing, where you're at, and then we will dig into your story, my friend. Hey, everybody. Shan, I love you so much. Thank you for this opportunity. Um, it's your girl, Patria, uh, Patria Alguila. I'm out here in Queens, New York. I won't be too specific, but um, <laughs> I love me some New York. I love my Northeast. Um, I am a lover and a friend, just as my my, uh, my homegirl said, love long walks on the beach as well. Um, but I... Um, I just want to shout out to, I see some some of my friends, yes, my niece please. is on here. I love you. I'm so glad. Thank you for everybody supporting. Um, so I currently professionally, I'm a tailored engagement lead. I'm working at the Department of Health and Mental Hygiene. Um, again, health, girl, yeah. you know, health is, yep. it's been public health for the last so you know, um, but health has just been something that's always been a part and um, you know, so this is where I'm at and I want to take my story and tie it into what I do. And, and I'm looking forward to even sharing later on, you know, what the future holds. But um, yeah, that's that's who I am. I just love God, love people, love life. You know, I love dad jokes, but that could be another that, episode. She does. No, it's not. It's not going to be another episode. But we do love you. We do love you. We love some of your dad jokes, some not so much, but that's OK. All right. We love you. Anyhow. So. Uh -huh. In terms of Patria's story, um, so first and foremost, obviously this is called my, my hysterectomy story. And for me personally, and I know for maybe some other people on the line, anytime that I've ever heard of a hysterectomy, it's typically older women that have gotten them. Usually, you know, they're at the, the end time of them having their children, they have their families, you know, they no longer want to deal with their, you know, menstrual cycles, all those different things. And, you know, they've had a hysterectomy. So, I mean, a lot of the older women in my life that I know, that has been their story. Mm -hmm. Patria was probably the first person that I knew personally. And I don't think, again, that I understood the gravity of exactly what a hysterectomy fully um curtailed but at the time that she had one she was 35 we all know that 35 is a super super young age still for a lot of women and also at the time not married not having any children so i want her to tell us a little bit more about her <laughs> surgery because also different types of hysterectomies and she had a total hysterectomy so explain to us what the actual surgery was that you had and what that means in terms of your body and you know how it is and how it functions now yeah 
So I did, I had a total hysterectomy and it was an abdominal cut. So that was a bikini line. And it's actually a total hysterectomy with bilateral salpingo oophorectomy, also known as removal of your uterus, cervix, and the fallopian tubes. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, and thank God, I kept my, I had to keep my ovaries. My ovaries were fine. Right. Um, and so that was, yeah, it was done abdominally and, um, it, which meant, you know, no more when I was recovering, no more periods. Um, but I still go through PMS motion since I have my ovaries, I have my hormones and everything. So ever since then I've tracked, you know, it's always the 10th, the 11th that I feel some type of way and right. go through all. Mm -hmm. Right, right, right. So now that we know what took place, I want us to start from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times, a lot of the things that we go through starts at younger ages than we can even imagine. Um, on the call that I had with my sister, we both shared how we got our cycles at nine years old. A lot of people feel like menstrual cycles is a teenage issue, a teenage problem. And I assure you that it is not. <laughs> it's, it's just it's just not. It starts at very young ages. Um, yeah. and, you know, mo most times in your preteens. So let's start with your kind of cycles. What was it like for you? You know, when did you get your cycle and kind of what was it like for you in terms of your reproductive years in terms of early beginnings of it? Yeah. So, um, I got my period around middle school. I don't remember who was 11 or 12. Um, you know, um, and ever since I've had my period, it was seven days. It was always long, seven to 10 days, a full heavy load, the first five. Seven to um, ten days? Dang. Yeah, seven to ten days um, rocking diapers. <laughs> but anywho, um, really. And so um, and it was it was painful. It was always yeah. cramps. And the cramps, the vivid memories I have in more high school years, right. um, where it was just, you know, it was, I mean, that time came and the cramps were horrid. So it's Advil. It's the warm water bottle, yep. Yep. you know, the, the, the heating pads. Yeah. And the thing right. is, my mom went through the same thing. Her yeah. sisters went through yeah. the same thing. So where, you know, it's the natural remedies. You just go along with it. However, there was one year I was about to be 15 or turning 15 already um, that my period was ongoing for like two to three weeks. Oh, and wow. I had to, yeah. And um, so obviously, right, there's something wrong yeah. with that was going on. And, you know, so I had to see a gyno. We all know that gyno visits aren't, you know, the Even most pleasant. Adult. So therefore, um, it was that was slightly traumatic because I didn't want a speculum insert. I didn't know what was going on. Um, it was uncomfortable. Um, and really what I got was, you know, you're developing puberty, all, the whole nine. You know, it just happens. You know, you might have a period that's 25 days. Sure. Why not? <laughs> so, yeah. And then I just kept living life. You know, this is just became part of the norm. Um, and that was that. And I think there's a couple things because I think my first gyno appointment was around 13 or 14. Mm. It is a very traumatic thing, um, especially, you know, at that time wasn't sexually active. So it's like, what is even happening? Same. Why are we here? Um, right. <laughs> why am I even having this pain? Um, so, I mean, I know that that's a part of it. Did you feel like doctors and even your parents really understood, you know, what was happening and what were any of your thoughts at that time that you were kind of going through that pain and having to have, that's really long cycles to have as well. 
Yeah, well, because mom's been through it, right? Yeah. It, so that that becomes it's part it's the norm. Yeah. I'm grateful to this day because I had some conversations recently about just parents taking us to the doctors, and both of my parents were very on point with that. That's we so were part funny. of a federally qualified health center, um, consistent with our shots, everything, including dental. So that was never an issue. But it was like, listen, if you're in pain, there's something going on. Let me take you to the doctors. Let's find out. Yeah. But you know, there was nothing. I don't even remember so much. You know who the physician was but it just feels almost like it is what it is you know yeah. and we just kept pressing and trying what doing what we can with what we got yeah yeah and i think that's a lot of what happens with a lot of women is we go to doctors they basically tell us it's normal um unless you're kicking and screaming and you know doing the most a lot of times they don't always take your pain seriously especially women of color if mm -hmm. i'm quite honest that is one of the mm -hmm. things unfortunately the medical profession um, has proven many times over that they yeah. just don't start pain the same. Yeah. Um, it's as if they were super women. It's like, no, our pain is just as bad as women all over the world. It's still pain. Um, so let's fast forward a little bit to the beginning of kind of where this started. You had to have surgery in February 13th of 2018. Mm -hmm. But when was it that you, from the time that you were kind of having these issues with your cycle, that you got to the point where you were like, okay, like something is going on for real. I really need to figure this out. What triggered that? So, you know, yeah, fast forward. So just keep in mind long periods all throughout the 20s, all into the 30s. Yeah. Um, and and so before we do that, did you have any medications like were they giving you anything did they prescribe anything so got it. no um i my gynecologist um we we would talk about these things but i did not want to go on birth control gotcha. that was the one thing birth control was That's the only it. thing that was promoted yeah. for yeah. right oh yeah. you know regulate your periods less pain yeah. but then there's the side effects of yeah. that and i was just really staunch on like i don't want to be around here bloated and gaining weight Correct. To be honest, you know, no, and in no. your twenties, it's like, no, we don't want yeah. that. I'm like, no, I don't want that. Figure it. Yeah. Yeah. No, okay. Good. And and same. That was what was basically told to my mom at 13, and my mom wasn't with it either. So same. Just yeah. put up with the pain, pop a million pills, and hope that the pain goes away. All yeah. right. So now, yeah. Back. Or, <laughs> um. So it was in 2017. Um, I can't remember exactly. I know I have the date of the ultrasound, which was April 2017. But earlier that year, um, and even when maybe within the past year, I kept feeling bloated. Mm -hmm. And it just, you know, the PMS symptoms are still there. But this bloatingness was like, why are you still bloated yeah. after your period or before? And you know, so it's like, that's weird. Well, years prior, I had gastritis. That was like an 08, 09. So I had an endoscopy, right? And so I'm like, oh, man, maybe that's what's coming back. Like, oh, okay, so I should see a gastro. Um, I went to see the gastro. And actually, and I believe she was a nurse practitioner. I was like, yeah, I need an endoscopy because this is what I'm feeling. This is what's going on. You thought and she looked at me. Yeah, definitely. And so she looked at me and um, she was a, a white woman and I see her now and I'm grateful. She just looked at me, listened, and she's like, you know what? Maybe we can definitely do the endoscopy, but let's get you an ultrasound. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, all right. Yeah, that's what's up. Yeah, yeah, maybe let's get an ultrasound. So it was there because she sent me to get an ultrasound was when I found out that um, I had seven fibroids. 
That's crazy. And that's the part yeah. of your story that I didn't know until we talked because I knew that you had the hysterectomy sto- uh, story, but I didn't know that you had fibroids mm-hmm. until we talked. And mm-hmm. it was seven fibroids that were found? Seven. Yes. So the largest one being 6.1 centimeters, but I saw later, I think I saw something around seven, seven, seven centimeters. Like um, but size, I like had an apple or like maybe like an apple or so or, or something like that. Yeah. Like yeah. So. Oh, yeah. something yeah along those lines um and so uh and just to explain the seven where they were so three were pedunculated which also means that they had a stalk so they were sticking out mm-hmm. um three were intramural so that means they were embedded in the uterine lining and one was what we call subsiris which is it pushes outside of the uterus and into the um pelvis so it, it looks almost when you look up the graph it looks like one's kind of floating yeah. um so yeah, so just the thought of seven mm-hmm. fibroids, and when I think now that I can talk and you know just kind of think, go back, but also move forward, it's like seven fibroids, not the size of little grains, just something there, you know, trying to process that. I don't know what was going on in my mind at that time, right. but I was and like, we gotta find options and figure this out. And not just seven fibroids, but how they work, because again, I had fibroids, but all of mine were attached to my uterus. Mm-hmm. So in terms mm-hmm. of surgery, it was a matter of just severing them mm-hmm. from my uterus. But when you right. have three that are implanted in your right. uterus, that yeah. means that if you were to have some sort of surgery, they're having to cut into your uterus to basically pluck those out. Like yeah. now having the experience that I had and knowing how difficult it was just for the ones that were attached, I that's the sound of that is crazy to me. One, the amount of them, the size of mm-hmm. them, but also just how they were how they were attached to your body yeah so you get that news one what are you thinking how are you feeling and kind of what were your next thoughts or steps so this is where you know one of the points that i want to bring out so obviously this news didn't come where everything was peachy keen everywhere else in life yeah and i think that's something to keep in mind as well so you know i'm 34 i'm finding this out i'm in a relationship and i'm in a job that i love but it's yeah. stressful yeah. and i'm in a relationship that you know maybe at uh, not maybe at the time eh, right okay. so it's not so we have relationship work and my health correct and so all that is like okay so now i'm like of course i'm talking to my partner and you know, he was great in the fact that he wanted to make sure, let's find all the alternatives. He was very big on natural. Mm-hmm. Um, again, still didn't want to get on birth control pill, but I ended up doing it for a couple of months. I just mm-hmm. couldn't take him and be on track and be on time. I said, right. this ain't going to work. And yeah. I just was like, forget that. Um, you know, so I was just like, what am I going to do? Like, let's see, what does my gyno say? Let's get a second opinion. Yeah. Um, and I, I heard of the options, the myoectomy, um, and then there was the hysterectomy. Um, and my gyno was like, you know, maybe I could do a little something where you could salvage your uterus, but you have to have children quick if you want to do that. You know, yeah. friends, like, what if you're in a relationship you're not even sure about? Correct. And you're like, oh, well, hey, hey, buddy, let's just have kids real quick. This is going to happen. Yeah. And even... No, we're not doing that, you know, and I'm not putting myself in that. Um, And so a lot of it was just um, just, you know, trucking along, figuring it out and then making the decision for the hysterectomy. And to be honest, Shan, I um, 
not until recently I realized that I kind of, sh- I blocked out the end of 2017 and in-, in through my surgery. So to be honest, mm-hmm. I can't even tell you because of the, everything that was going on, the it stress. Was trauma. It was yeah. essentially, it was trauma. When you are yeah. stressed and you're having to go through some sort of crisis like that, your trauma and a way that your body responds to trauma is it tries to block you from having to experience it. And yeah. I think, you know, I think that's the one thing that sometimes people don't understand is life is continuing to life. So you may yeah. have this one major thing, but that doesn't negate everything that you still have to deal with, especially when you're an adult, you have to adult. Yeah. So, right. you know, you're trying to kind of juggle certain things. Um, at that time when you got that diagnosis, obviously, you know, you're trying to find, you know, natural ways to deal with it, which I mean, let's be quite honest, ain't no natural way to deal with these things. There's, there's just not, you. there's only so many teas you can drink, so many supplements you can take, you can turmeric and ginger and, you know, time your way down, but it's not taking these things away. Um, and in terms of, you know, your relationship possibly having um, an effect on kind of the decision that you made, obviously, or at least I'm hoping that your doctor kind of explained with the different surgeries that you can choose, what your options were going to be moving forward in the future in regards to children. Because obviously mm-hmm. having a hysterectomy opposed to having a myomectomy and having them removed could drastically change what your life is looking like in terms of a family in the future. What right. was your doctor either saying to you at that time or what was that conversation or what were your thoughts about how that may look for you in the future? So that's what that was interesting because again I was in uh, in a relationship where it was like we had the discussion of having children not having children he had children so it was like hey you know it's cool like I I was at a place where I told my doctor I was like I'm not sold out like I have to have children but I also wasn't like I never want to have kids see and that's where it's different like if I never want to have kids I my mind space my heart everything would be different but that wasn't the sold out place that I was at. So, you know, of course, what's in the future is, um, since my ovaries were good, it's like, okay, maybe you can freeze your eggs, you know, you could always adopt, foster, that if you come, you know, if that's what happens. Um, But yeah, so the freezing of eggs, you know, and I know we'll talk about it, didn't come until last year that I, you know, let me see what that was like, and I can share that. But yeah, other than that, I was just like, all right, well, I mean, we gotta, we gotta do something about it. I know that I was talking to my mom, um and i know that she was saddened because i have an aunt that went through the same and she was just you know still in shock um one thing that i do want to highlight so we talked about adulting in life but Mm -hmm. the other thing that i did um to this day i i wish i didn't and so i tell people not to don't don't close out your community don't the innermost folks um even if at the end of the day, I was going to have to have the surgery, but you, you know, some of my closest best friends didn't know the ins and outs of what I was experiencing because I just kept it moving. And, you know, I had my boyfriend and I'm just like, you know, doing what I need to do. Um, But it wasn't the wisest decision, you know? Um, So that is something to um, just to put out there as an aside. And I'm glad. Um, But yeah, yeah, because I do remember at that time, I mean, again, we've been friends for years and I do remember what I only heard was about the surgery. So I didn't mm-hmm. know the prognosis. Like I said, I didn't, yeah. I didn't know fibroids. I didn't know how deep it was. I just remember hearing, I have to have surgery. This is what I'm have to have. Yeah. This is what I'm going to have to have it. So, you know, the decision was already made. And not mm-hmm. to say that your community necessarily has to weigh in. It's your personal decision. But I think right. just having the support and not feeling alone yeah. is a huge yeah. thing. I know for me and my surgeries, I didn't tell everyone. But I had pointed right. people yes. that I did tell 
just to allow them to pray, yeah. you know, just to make sure that yes. they knew, um, yeah. because it is very emotional. Um, yeah. Society will make you feel like there's something wrong with you when your body doesn't function the way they, they think it's supposed to. You're supposed yeah. to, as a woman, a certain time, get your cycle, you know, you become a woman, you should be able to, at the point, you know, be able to procreate and do what your body is quote unquote supposed to do. So when it doesn't do those things or it's off base, um, it causes a lot of alarms. And also society is not always kind because they expect once you get to a certain age, the questions come. Once you're married, well, when are you going to have kids? Listen, or do you, you know, yes. where, where your babies at? People don't understand yeah. the ins and outs and the intricacies. You don't know what someone's going through. You don't know what their process no. is. You don't know if they've already you tried. Don't. In your right. case, they can't look at you and tell that you had a hysterectomy. So it's like you're asking questions and you're bringing up conversations that is a very sensitive thing. And I think if anything, I've exactly. learned that the most of how to tailor conversations with people in regards to their reproductive health and also just family. Yeah. It's not so much when what, where your kid's at, why you ain't got no kids. Is well, do you ever see yourself starting a family? Because if if that's a no, the conversation ends there, and we move on yeah. to what's the weather like in your state? <laughs> you know what I'm saying like <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. We move forward. You know, you're saying society, and let's just go. We come back. We come from Caribbean, um, yes. you know, culture. So Correct. yes, Caribbean Ooh. background exactly. So yeah. that's a whole nother shebang. And even to this day, you know, love them. You know, grandmas and all them. You know, coming from the old school, yeah, but yeah. it's still like, you know, you gotta have kids. You gotta have kids. Yeah. This and I'm like, okay, can we let's look at the bigger picture? Correct. And I was like, and essentially, thank God. And that's another thing too. Faith, baby girl. I listen. If it don't go anywhere with so, it. Um, and, and, and that's something that I'm grateful for too, just still sticking close to my Lord, even though I was like, what is going on and why is this happening to me? Um, I, this wasn't in the, this is not what I planned. Yeah. I was supposed to be married at 25, my first child at 27, the next one at 29. And here I am 40 and fine. So, <laughs> you know so yes. Like, yes, you are. Okay. Right. So, you know, my God, what's what's going on? Um, but nonetheless, this has been an opportunity, right, to just kind of like, hey, you know, stop asking so many questions and why don't you hear the story and this is what happened. And yeah. also to just be like, you know what, this also brought uh, my mother and I closer because um, yeah. my mother had a hysterectomy as well. But again, like you said, later after right. she already had us, you know, right. all this jazz. Yeah. Um, but one thing she always reminded me that I always tell her as a child is that, I always said I wanted to adopt kids. Yeah. And so I'm like, and she always brings that to my remembrance. Yeah. It's like, don't worry, you know, because yeah. that's not the only way yeah. to start a family. Yeah. So yeah. those are things that, you know, I'm like, I'm grateful and I get to see the other mm -hmm. side of those little things, but I don't want to move too, you know, fast oh. forward, but yeah. I love you, friend. Okay. No, no. Hey, yeah, no, yeah, I know. Together, Jesus. Okay. <laughs> but no, but I mean, that's a, that is, that's a real thing because I think sometimes people, People glorify adoption, you know, especially if you went to a foreign country and got a child from somewhere far away. But there's everyday kids down your street who are in foster home parents, uh, foster homes or who are orphans or who need that guidance um, or, you know, their their families can't do it. You know, their families yeah. maybe uh, were able to have children but for financial reasons or maybe it's just a toxic environment. They can't. So mm -hmm. that is a huge point to bring up. Um, adoption is definitely an option, whether you can right. have children or not. You know, I know people who physically have been able to have children and still make that option. And even if you can't, so I'm glad that you brought that. I'm glad that your mom, um, who I love, uh, brings that to your remembrance because that also gives us a, a certain semblance of hope 
you know, regardless yeah. of your specific, you know, situation. So, okay. So you went to your first doctor. Yeah. Back into your store. Yeah. And I believe you also got a second opinion, right? Yeah. And the second opinion said what? The same, you know, it's, you know, you have to get a, a hysterectomy. You can try the myoectomy, um, but still. And at the end, you know, my gyno did say when I went, because I ended up staying with my first, um, my gynecologist who I've had seen consistently. And, you know, he was like, I'll salvage what I, you know, I would love to salvage what I can, you know, yeah. let's see what's in there. But again, the ones that are in the lining, that's what makes it interesting. So, you know, so the, you know, yeah, we go with the surgery. I set up and I actually went back to the hospital where I used to work. And I was able to see one of the guest services people who was the sweetest. Um, and I remember you asking me, like, what was that day like? Yeah. And to be honest, you know, it was just, it was, I see it as kind of cold, mm -hmm. you know, because it was my, that's my first real like surgery surgery. Yeah, I had two wisdom yep. teeth, teeth removed yep, or that, yep. you know. Um, so, oh, you know, everything with my mom was there. Um, I can't remember if my brother and my boyfriend at the time were there, but you know, I was just like your video, you know, you're laid up, whatever. And then next thing you know, I'm out of the surgery. Yeah. I had to be in the hospital for two days until I and could how use the bathroom. Was your surgery? God, I don't know. Okay, okay. I was, it was in the morning and right. then, yeah, I don't remember. It's okay. Um, but you were but like, what I, what I will tell you, you <laughs> yeah, what I will tell you is that the doctor came in, um, and I'm not going to show you all the picture, but what I will tell you is that what he took out looked like a rotisserie Man. chicken. I saw and, it. Yeah. I, I can um, literally vividly still see the image of it in my mind. Yeah. And, you know, I just know that my mom was like, what? We were all like, that was in there? You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, you know, even now, it's just like, what? So, you know, fast forward. One thing that I will tell you, and I said I would write this in a will in my medical papers, I ain't doing a catheter. The traumatic, the, the, the surgery was something. The catheter was more traumatic for me, to be honest. I ain't even going to lie. That thing was, there was something about that, that till this day, but that's a whole nother episode. Um, so I was discharged. I recuperated in my parents' house who have a peaceful uh, place. Anybody who needs recuperation, they're open. Um, nice healing, beautiful backyard. You'll get some so, good plantains. You'll get some what? good fish. You, you know, know what I'm saying? Mom will hold it down. I <laughs> um, So I was there, and um, two weeks in, uh, I was. they weren't there. And my dog was outside. I was using the bathroom. And that was when I cried the deepest cry out of my soul. And it was just like an anger, an anger, a sadness cry that it, it was really unto God. Because I was like, what just happened? Yeah. You know, two weeks, and it's like, what just really happened? And why was that in there? And, you know, all the questions, like, what are we doing? Like, yeah. what about my life? Like, what, what does this look like? Yeah. Um, so that's two weeks after. And then, now, real quick, um, you know, it was... you moved to that, in that moment when you kind of had that breakdown, was there any level of like, was there like a feeling of either like regret or do you think that was just the first time where it hit you what actually took place? It was more of that. that it you. hit me what took place. Yeah. Cause I, I don't know that I could regret cause yeah. again, there was so much happening in life as and well. It, so it was you know, what both doctors said yeah. should be done. Yeah. And I, I think in part it's like a shock too. Yeah. Like this, that's wow. Yeah. Like this is where we're at. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then I was recuperating four to six weeks. I was out of work for sure for four weeks. Um, and then I slowly went back in 
Um, and you know, one of the things I remember I took a picture because I had lost a couple of pounds and I was imploded. So I was like, yay, cool. Yeah. Look at this. And then, you know, just living life and wow, you don't get your period. Ooh, you know, I mean, obviously that's a big deal. Hey, beautiful. I see my other nieces here too. Um, and I love you. Um, and so, yeah. Um, yeah. So I just kept moving, you know, so in the relationship, your wedding, you yeah. know, which was yeah. a big deal. 2018 was a big deal, period. No, it really was. Um, and hold on, yeah. before we go forward, I want to kind of double back to your cycles because, so I, I hate my cycle. I'm not going to lie. Um, I don't know too many, many people uh, or women, you know, that are in the reproductive ages where they're still getting their cycle that they're like, yes, ah, love it. Can't wait for it to come again this month. Amen. Like, it's just kind of one of those things where, you know, when we get to heaven to see Eve one day, we really go and square up and be like, yo, sis, really? That's what we're doing? However, I, during my, before my last surgery, I had to take hormones to prevent my cycle from coming mm. in order for me to have the surgery because in order for them to see, to remove the last fiber that I had, I couldn't be on my cycle. And I had to do hormone therapy before and after. And there was one month where I did not get my cycle and it was, for me, to me, which, you know, of course, with my journey, I'm trying to have a child, but it was so weird. Um, for you, what was it like when you were not getting your cycle? Did you, what was your thoughts? Because for a lot of people, that screams your womanhood. But mm -hmm. what was your thoughts when that wasn't happening for you anymore? I'm like, well, you should still carry pads for other people. <laughs> and so was, that, that was my thought, to be honest. I was like, That's why well, I don't have this, okay? Thinking about it. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, this is, I have to make sure I have these. <laughs> and after a while, I just didn't have them. But, you know, I was like, wow, so you don't, you, you know, you don't Wait, get these. saving money. I just want to let you know that because these <laughs> things are expensive, okay? Why they're so expensive, I don't know. But praise God, that is one, that's one part of your budget that you can put towards your vacations, okay? <laughs> right? Um, but yeah, so, I mean, to be honest, that was, that was my thought. Every time I looked in my bag and stuff, I'm like, just make sure you have these for others. Right. And um, that's it. Yeah. And that's a blessing because I know for some people it could have been like a morning thing, you know, like morning mm -hmm. that aspect of things. Mm -hmm. However, you also didn't have that pain of of any of that, so I'm sure there was definitely some rejoicing where that. Yeah, was. it just you know I'm still like you know it's the emotional, the hormones of just like going through the the feelings, all, all the hormonal stuff. Like I still feel, I still PMS, you know, I still get hot and bothered. You know what I'm saying, yeah. like. <laughs> <laughs> so but ain't that so you know now you're at a place you know obviously your surgery happened you know five mm -hmm. years ago as of february 13th and most recently you know is when you decided that you wanted to kind of share your story what has the healing process been like for you and what did you have to go through to get to a point where you know not only were you I don't want to say content with it, but you're at a point mm -hmm. of peace with it. And yeah. then you wanted to also share something that is, you know, really a private issue that so many people can weigh in on on what they think you could have done, should have done, yeah. what's going to happen, you know, all those different things. Um, how did you get to, you know, this point? Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, let me tell you that chapter 36 in New York City has been the best move. And as we okay. said, God's timing 
is, is where it's at. You know, I had wanted to be up here since 05, yeah. you know, and I feel like, baby girl, you it would have been a whole different person, a whole different animal. Um, but um, so moving forward, mind you, I was in counseling um, throughout this whole session, this whole mm -hmm. thing, and really focusing on other things, not even, I can't recall a lot of my talk about the surgery, but it wasn't until I moved up here mm -hmm. that, um, you know, because of my faith and the Holy Spirit and that relationship, it's like, hey, girl, so this is yeah. you single out here what are we doing how are yeah. we gonna grow what are we gonna do so when i came up here um i got on medicaid for a little bit i started to see a doctor even shani even even the doctors here first of all one of them one of the medical assistants was trying to fight folks in florida because they're like what you did this why did you get a hysterectomy why did they let you do that yeah. like they just thought yeah. first of all you were so yeah. young what do you do what's going on they just wanted to fight yeah. i was like hey i'm i'm yeah. home <laughs> I mean, that you know, was like, my mom. She wanted to fight yeah. for you as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, you know, what's going on? Couldn't there be other yeah. methods, other yeah. ways? And so that in itself would bring up tears, right? Would bring up thoughts. Yeah. And so there was people that i met along the way in the medical field that were just really, there was one lady, Jamaican, of course, that she just encouraged me. And cause I, I would just cry. You know, the minute you're asking me about the surgery, I just start, I just cry. Yeah. And I'm like, what are we doing? And it wasn't until then, too, that I was like, yo, you're grieving a loss. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I, I had to, like, I didn't think about that. These right. are things, again, if you experience trauma, you go through something, you yeah. put that somewhere yeah. and you don't revisit. But this moving up here was also, uh, it's part of a yeah. healing journey. It's part of a new chapter. And with that comes, like, you do have to revisit some things. Yeah. So um, in uh, 2021... Mm -hmm. Uh, Revive Tampa, just a shout out. They do a women's conference. Nice. Um, and, you know, COVID was around, by the way. Yep. We forgot about the pandemic. Yep. Yep. Um, so everything was virtual. And I was in this place and they were doing their women's conference. And the woman, the pastor began to pray. She said something, but what I will tell you is I began to bawl, mm -hmm. but rejoice because mm -hmm. in my spirit, that whole week and Friday, Saturday, the Lord's like, there's purpose in this. Yeah. I never had to go through this for yeah. no reason. Yeah. And so he's like, I want you to begin to pray because you are going to address Amen. everything that's women's reproductive health. I don't know yeah. how. Yeah, like that was me. Yeah. And he's like, just pray. All I'm asking you is to pray for every woman. And that's what it's been until today like just yeah. praying i don't know what things look like um and so i'm like okay so there's purpose in this story yeah. um and, and what happened you know and what's going to come out of this and so um so that's been like the little confirmations along the way the people even you know funny enough like i said i'm 40 and fine the dating i've yeah. told men up front because what i'm not gonna do boo you ain't gonna fall for me and then i'm gonna tell you two years later that this Correct. can't happen Yes. So, hey, this is who I am. This is what I've been, and this is what I've been through. And they've been chill. They've been like, good. you know, wow. Uh, yeah, you know, thank you for sharing. Sorry that happened. You know, if things were to pan out, we we just do something with it and whatever. But that I don't. Is such a not to cut you off, but one that's such a, a adult thing to do and an honest thing to do. Because in a world where I mean, I'm not in that world anymore, but in a world where people put on lots of facades and they don't always, they're not honest like that from up front. The fact that you give men the opportunity to choose and understand where you are and who you are from the jump to know whether they want to move forward. Yeah. Because for some men, having children, having a namesake is a yeah. super important. Um, so the yeah. The, the fact that you give them that option and it seems like they are also being honest with you in their reactions is a beautiful thing because that's a very vulnerable thing to have to let somebody yeah. go up front and you don't know how they're going to react.
and you exactly. don't know how their reaction to what you're sharing is going to affect you. So I'm glad that you put that out there. Yeah. And real quick too, I think I remember you telling me that in 2020 is also because you brought up the whole idea of sharing with men about you know children. That 2020 was probably the first time you really thought about like, okay, I do believe that I want children. Correct. Yes. So that was the other thing too. So you know, again, like. I wasn't staunch on saying no to kids, but I wasn't like, oh my gosh, I have to have kids or nothing else. So right. I'm in the in-between, right? But I'm like, man, I still wanted that option. Yeah. And so I just had that in the back of my mind, you know, as I think I mentioned before, everybody's kids are my right. kids. So I have a lot of nieces and right. nephews. Um, but, you know, I'm like, how is, what does that look like? So, which is why I'm like, I'm obviously not opposed to men, you know, that have mm -hmm. kids, you know, whatever have you. And so, um, but it wasn't until last year that I said, what is this whole thing about freezing eggs? Mm -hmm. I'm like, should I consider that? What is that about? Um, and thankfully, I have um, a couple of friends that knew of friends that have done it. Um, and I got new, a new doctor. I got a new gyno last year and a new uh, internist, thanks to my cousin, right. who she's been seeing these women for right. a while. So I mentioned it to the internist and she's like, you know what? She's like, oh, there's a hormone um, called the AMH, AMH, which you told me about, to see the mm -hmm. age of like your ovaries. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, she's like, I'll test you for that. And here's this doctor's yeah. name, you know? And I was like, okay, cool. I'm like, all right, so let me do the research. Yeah. You know, I even, I shared with my mother, I shared with yours. And it's like, you know, well, why is it that you're doing this? My mom asked and I was like, cause I don't want to be left like, oh, I never considered. Correct. I didn't go yeah. through all the avenues, find yeah. out, you yeah. know what I'm saying? And I was like, there was one night I was in bed and I'm like, Lord, am I crazy for trying to do this? <laughs> And it's like, no, no, you know, you're doing what you got to do. And I was like, I, I want you to walk. You're not, you're not walking this alone. Yeah. So um, I said, all right, let, let's see what we can do. And long story short, I actually, I had my first transvaginal ultrasound. So in a plug, why are we going to the gyno and not just getting pap smears, but ultrasound? Thank you. Like consistent. That is exactly, you, you can't find fibroids. You can't find endometriosis. You can't find issues with your uterus with just yeah. a cervical check that they do every month, I mean, once a year, you have to have ultrasounds. It needs to be Come a part on. of women's reproductive health checks, period. Yeah. You're not gonna period. see anything without that. And I don't know why that's not a part of it. Yeah, so and I'm that glad you brought that up something else. When I went to the new gyno, she actually, she did the ultrasound and she's like, oh, your ovaries look good, whatever have you. This gentleman did the transvaginal ultrasound to see, you know, where I guess, he was looking for, I don't know if the follicles will see where the ovaries were, but long story short, my AMH hormone is a little lower um, than normal, but it's like, it was like a 0.99. It's really 1.06 for a 40 year old woman. Fine. Mm -hmm. And he felt like he could pull three to four eggs out of each um, ovary. Nice. And I was like, oh, cool to know. But guess what? There's still, it's not like, oh, I can pull these eggs. It's going to work. Everything is great. No, yeah. those eggs may not survive. Yeah. Like yeah. It's, a, it's a home to do. And I remembered and then I have a you know a family member of mine close that she's she's gone through this whole process and I was like man I can probably talk to her and ask more questions but I'm like you know at least you know what's up and you also know that it's fifteen grand <laughs> okay because my insurance was not like I'm not covering that for you and I, I'm praying that more I mean I've seen at least recently even with my personal insurance 
it wasn't until this year where fertility treatments period were even a part of plans. Those were all things that were, you know, um, not. And I think, Mm -hmm. and I'm hoping that things like freezing your eggs becomes a new thing as well, because one, I, I will say I give it up to entertainment in terms of, I've seen a lot of shows that focus on women where they're actually talking about like women in the episodes are freezing their eggs and mm-hmm. that's becoming a thing because I think, you know, we're both millennials. We're mm-hmm. at an age and stage where, you know, unlike our mothers, where it was a lot more of a thing to, you know, get married, have your families. I think more millennial women are making choices to either get married later because they really yeah. are focused on more on their yeah. careers. They mm-hmm. have some of their own. Mm-hmm. So freezing their eggs has become a real thing because they realize, look, I'm not getting married in my 20s. I'm probably not even getting married in my early 30s. So if I want to have a family one day and that's something I want to do, this may be something that I need to consider. So I'm hoping that medical professionals take note and that they will make it something that is a lot yeah. more inexpensive for women to be able to do because it's important. And and essentially, in your case, in freezing your eggs, if any of them are viable, you would be able to use a surrogate essentially to, you know, if you want right. to. That how that, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah yep and that was that was part of the process of where i went like they do the a through z which was cool yeah. i was like that's that's good to know yeah you know um and so yeah so there was that last year so again these little things to not only part of the healing the talking yeah. the walking through the accepting and saying out loud wow this is how yeah. i feel this is what yeah. i wanted to do or this is what i was hoping for um maybe there's this option and getting the support from others and just walking through you know even if it's you know you, you tried it it didn't work but you still did something yeah. um and to your point like hoping medical professionals take uh take notice this is why we're doing this Correct. you know what I'm saying? this is even all the more why I'm like, yeah, we got to keep talking. You right. know, we got to keep, you know, pushing because this this just isn't cute yeah. to wait no, this long. It doesn't make any sense. Mm-mm. Now, before I get into kind of where you are now in terms of like your journey and what you want to do, um, I do see a lot of conversation going on. <laughs> you know, this last conference I see said women's health should not be so unaffordable, which is true. I see a lot of people who, you know, when you mentioned the price of freezing eggs, they had like the bug eye emoji because it's ridiculous. <laughs> but I wanted to kind of put it out there for anyone who may have any questions for Patria about her story, if you've been listening, about the process of anything, um, if this is, you know, something that you can relate to, I wanted to open it up that if anyone has any questions, they can either, you know, put the questions in the chat, or there is, I believe, a little question icon that you can use, and I will check for those questions. Um, So I'll, I wanted to put that up there first, but while I kind of wait to see if anyone has any questions, one of the things you mentioned, obviously, is that the healing that started taking place around, you know, 2021, and especially last year, in terms of God allowing you to see, like, everything you're going through is not in vain. There's yeah. a purpose for it. You've mm-hmm. been health and health-related and public health-related, um, you know, atmospheres literally since you were a teen, because yeah. I knew you, because we were both, yep. you know, doing and I, And that wasn't even, my major was radio, television, broadcasting. How in the world did I become a sex health educator? <laughs> Only the Lord knows. Um, but it allowed me to meet you, so amen to that. But yes. that's something that's been a passion of yours for a long time. Um, what is your kind of your goals now, your mission now in terms of using your story and wanting to get the word out um, about those things? So my mission now is um, 
I, I am going back to school. And yes. so one of the things and that's, that's for, for me personal, you know, I, I was talking uh, to my spiritual mom, which is your mom. Um, and that's, and I tell people like the schooling, yeah, that may open up some doors, but it's always been something that I've wanted, you know, for growth and just things that are health related, but I'd like to, it may be that the master's in public health will focus on either community health or, um, health disparities, but I'm going to tailor it to women's reproductive health system. Um, I may even consider my doctorate, thanks to, I, I see y'all, Clarissa, <laughs> um, my coworker and friend, and other people that I've surrounded myself with that just made made it seem like it's nothing. And, you know, when you have that support, like, it's pretty cool. You know, yeah. it's just like, you can, you can do a lot of things. So shout out to all my cheerleaders. That's yes. been so awesome. have a lot of them. Um, yeah, and I'm and that's been listen, this is yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um and so going back to school is one thing, but you know, church faith has been something. Women have been something to me. And so if it just means one on one sharing my story, yeah. praying and referring, you know, if it means women's group, whatever it is that I can provide a safe space where people can ask questions and have, you know, share their story that then then I'm done. Like that's, that's my, that's my whole thing. Yeah. Um, and just bring in awareness. Like once you have your show and you're on the own network that's and you're on sense. all these channels, then, you know, Please, I'm out there out. like, come on. I'm like, Hey, let's talk about this. And thank you. Hey, Lucia. Thank you so much. Dr. <laughs> Padre. Um, but, um, you know, I have friends that are doing such amazing things and all our work, believe it or not, uh, it intertwines. Yeah. And so that's the exciting part yeah. too, because we all can help one another. Um, and I love that God has placed me in a community where folks are either actors, writers, producers, radio yep. broadcasters, yep. like doing yep. all the things. And then behind the scenes, you know what I'm saying? Doing either legal work, filming, whatever it is, we all work Correct. together. And I'm like, and that's what I'm looking to see. How can I pull all these resources together? And how can I have women know, like, listen, there is more, there is great. Whatever you've been through, this surgery, be it the PCOS, the endometriosis, all these things that are trying to block or hold you up from something, it's not, there's more. It's not, that's not the end. And we got to talk about it. Yeah. Well, I love that. I love that for you. I love you, my friend. <laughs> I love um, you. And I'm fun. grateful because I think it's everything is timing. You know, yes. I, I wanted to do this last year. Um, last year wasn't the best year for me to do this. Last year I had, you know, roughly recovered from a surgery, had another surgery, and had a miscarriage. So probably not the best year to try to do something like this, but it's where the where it was seated. And I think, let me see, yeah. someone had a question. I'm curious about what y'all think education for young women around fibroids, hysterectomies, et cetera, should look like in an ideal world, either in schools, community, and culture? Whoa, thank you for that question. That's a good question. That's Lucia. <laughs> um, so before I even answer that question, I don't know all the ins and outs, but I do know that I saw last year on, or not last year, last week, in a couple of my friends' stories, and I think one person posted on their page, that in the state of Florida, which is where I am and where Patria used to be, that they are making a rule that girls in fourth and fifth grades are not going to be able to speak about their periods, which is weird to me because I was in fourth grade when I got my cycle, um, that they want it to be essentially something that is only speak spoken of, you know, um, in the home or they have to be in middle school, which is so weird to me because if women, if little girls are having their cycles, why they can't speak about it at school, I do not know. It's weird. Um, but I think in terms of well, you know what? I'll let Patrick answer first since she's my guest, and then I'll give my opinion in terms of where, where I think 
that those conversations should happen in terms of talking about the fibroids, talking about hysterectomies um, in schools, community, and culture? Such a good question. Thank you, Lucia. Yeah, and I see Maya has a question there too. Um, but Shani, you know, I was like, let's go curriculum. Remember you created the abstinence um, curriculum? That's, that was yeah. one thing, but just creating curriculum um, where this was an idea that um, I spoke to someone at work last week. Um, either just uh, using programs um, such as sports or different programs where girls can come together mm -hmm. to have these conversations. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I'm like, oh, there needs to be more curriculum, more things like, for example, I grew up in Girls Incorporated, which actually idea, I should find out what they're doing there because if they're banning these conversations that need to be had, need to be had within families yeah. and need to be had in schools, yeah. then what's a way around it? We will always find a way around yeah. it. The system will not, you know, hold us. So, you know, I, I, I just immediately saw a curriculum where it can, um, it can be of empowerment, encouragement for young ladies, and you just insert these conversations there. Um, and so, and it's something that I've seen done, and that I believe Shani and I have been part of, yeah. and that can right. can be created. And I, to me, I think it's twofold. So I think one of the, one part of it is having a way to educate parents, because That's, yeah. I, I was, you know, me and my sister talked on our call. I was super blessed because my mom was a social worker. She also yeah, was you know, she worked for DCF for years. Um, she was a teen parent teacher where she taught young girls who had children in high school how to take care of their children. That is not, that's not the norm. I am very well aware that how me and my sister and my brother, even though obviously he's a guy, but I'm very well aware that how we were raised is not the norm. Yeah. And I, didn't, I didn't realize that until I was older. But I think one part of it is allowing parents not to be sometimes the ones who are taboo about it. I know for us, being women of faith, and I know for me growing up in quote-unquote church culture, absence, 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 absence is preached. But that's great. Right. I do understand that there's a point and a purpose for abstinence, but there's also the the, the knowing that not all children are going to choose that. Um, yep, absolutely also, we right. have, unfortunately, the idea that not all women or not all children are protected. So sometimes that's not an option because they're abused. So we have to start having these conversations where parents themselves aren't striking mm -hmm. either fear or it's a weird thing or they don't know how to talk to their children about it. So I think there's, yeah. I don't know what that way would be, whether yeah. it be, you know, classes for, for parents, training for parents, a place where parents can go to get those sorts of um, information, groups for parents okay. to be able to have those things, maybe the same, you know, organizations where young girls can go, maybe there's a, you know, the girls are going one place and their parents are going another place, or they're having these group conversations together. So I think it's a part of its education, ed educating parents. And I do think yeah. our generation will be a lot more open to that because of what we've seen. And then I think a lot of it goes back to what you were saying. It is curriculum, it is training. But I think a lot of it is just making the norm. You yeah. know, if you can make other things in television, in cartoons, on commercials, a thing, this should be a thing. Most young girls, unless there's something, you know, terribly wrong in terms of their reproductive system or their health or, you know, something's just not going correct, mm -hmm. they're going to cycle. They're going to have their period. Right. They're going to go through these motions. They may one day want to have children or they may, you know, be sexually active, whatever the case may be. It needs to be a part of life and it shouldn't be yeah. something that's hidden or restricted from them knowing because it's knowledge. And I think a lot of times people are so scared that if you talk to your kids about sex, if you talk to them about cycles, or if you tell them something weird, that it's going to want them to do something more. And it's no, it's going to educate them because if you're not talking about it, guess who is? YouTube, yeah. Google, and their friends that don't nobody know nothing. And that's basically what's happening a lot of times. 
it's just yeah. it doesn't make any sense so yeah lucia i hope that answered a little bit of your question and also just kind of puts the um puts the the conversation out there because that Absolutely. that that's again that is what we're doing that's why we're doing this for is to start yeah. having conversations and we're having these conversations there's adults that can't talk about these things i'm sorry yeah it's just, yeah it's, you know it's sad there's adults that can't have these conversations so mm. it's hard to think that um, our children should be equipped to be able to have those conversations, but they should. They should really know these things. And then, Absolutely. did you say that you saw another yeah. question? Yes, Maya. So good to see you. Um, so she said, "Can I speak to self advocacy?" Mm -hmm. My sister-in-law mm -hmm. just found four fibroids on her uterus. Mm -hmm. um, next follow-up isn't until May. How can she advocate better for herself? Um, well, the first thing um, I'll say is one of the things that I've learned and seen is the keep knocking on doors and asking questions. So, you know, now it's just like, who do you know? Like, do you have a good doctor? Do you have a good gyno? You know, keep saying, keep sharing your story. And if that person's not going to listen, who's the next person, you know, and until you get to that next person, like you'll have to continue to share your story and keep saying, this isn't right. I don't feel well. I need to be seen. I don't know how this is going to affect me. Um, and I, unfortunately right now, I, that's where we're at. Like, I feel like we have to keep, you know, keep telling, telling and knocking and knocking and knocking yeah. and talking to one another. So it can be like, Hey, I actually do have somebody mm -hmm. or let me refer you here or here are these resources. That's one thing that I've seen, yeah. um, as far as for advocating. Yeah. yeah. I think it's that. And I think it's also holding doctors accountable mm. and I'll share personal experience. I've been going to the same OB for years. Prior to going to her, I was going to a PA because she's a bigger doctor and I wasn't able to get in with her first. So when I was going to the PA, they did an ultrasound on me because I was having so much pain in my early 20s, but they didn't find anything. After that, I started seeing this new doctor, but they didn't do any new ultrasounds. They didn't do anything. And I am not a complainer. I have a very high pain threshold and tolerance. Uh, even if I'm in pain, I keep moving like a lot of women do. You know, there's this whole trope of like a strong black woman, a strong woman of color, whatever mm -hmm. the case may be. Um, and I think sometimes we take too much pride in that because I'm good. I, I want to be soft. Can I be the soft black woman? But mm -hmm. um I remember when I finally found out about my fibroids, my doctor gave me a referral to a reproductive specialist because we were trying to have children. And it was the specialist just in conversation. They didn't even see me yet. Who was like, oh, based on what you're explaining, you sound like you have endometriosis. You might even have fibroid. How do you go to a doctor for 10 years plus and you have one conversation with a reproductive specialist who hasn't even had an ultrasound done yet and they're being able to figure that out? Now, my doctor then felt bad. So now she's my biggest champion. She also did my, my surgery for my father mm -hmm. because now she felt a burden on her because she realized, shoot, I missed something. And I think mm -hmm. that's also part of it. Yeah. Going to your doctors, getting second opinions, and going back to the original person that you may have that's seen good. that you have no ears. Because I still trust her. I believe that you know doctors, they are human beings. They're not perfect. Yeah. They're going to make mistakes. Right. And now she's my greatest advocate because she realizes I missed something, but I also realize I have to be more vocal about my pain. Yeah. I'm not a nasty person. I'm not going to be the person cussing around the phone because I think sometimes that does get results. But why should you have to, to stoop to that level yeah. to get a result? I should be able to tell you I'm in pain in a normal tone of voice and you listen to me. I shouldn't have to yeah. be yelling and screaming and telling you and threatening. And if you don't, it shouldn't be that. 
Um, so, I mean, that's a little disheartening, but I think it's really going back and saying, hey, this is another point of opinion that I found. Now that we know this, what are we going to do about it? How are you mm -hmm. going to help me help myself? And also, as crazy as it sounds, if it gets too, too crazy, maybe starting to bring in, like you mentioned, you have people that you know in legal systems. It may get to the point where that has to be, you know, the case. I know another big thing which this call isn't about that is that women that post delivery, some of them are making at home. They're having their babies and things are having happening after they have their children and nurses aren't listening to them. Doctors mm -hmm. aren't listening to them. They're mm -hmm. emerging. Things are happening and they're dying because they're not able to have someone yeah. advocate or their, their husbands yeah. or their significant others are trying to advocate for them and people aren't listening. So I think that's mm -hmm. a lot of it. Maybe making our voices a little louder, a little stronger and holding people accountable to do what they say they're supposed to do. What they vowed in Hippocratic laws and oaths to do. Yeah. Yeah, I also like the idea too, and this is where going back to the, my job of community health workers, they will go okay. with you as well and advocate for you. So you don't, you know, we should, yes, definitely do the self-advocacy, but who's that yeah. other champion too that will walk yeah. with you Some and community health workers yeah, are amazing. Yeah. Community health workers are amazing for that. So I would recommend even finding uh, a community health worker to go That's with. Good. Good. Well, if there aren't any other questions, because we have been on for our child, we can talk we can talk i knew we would um but is there any other questions that people may have for patria or that they may have about um about this um i i see a, a comment actually from my sister she says make it a big deal don't try to play strong if you're in pain give them mm -hmm. the real so they will be more prone to help uh, and that's yeah. true like listen yeah if you got to play the wee little lamb do what you got to do to get to get what needs to get done um, but I don't think I see any other questions. So before we close out, Patria, is there anything else that you want to just share with the audience, either about your story or what you want to do, or even just give encouragement to any other women who may find themselves in a situation where they're having to make a health decision that could prevent them from, from you know, having a family in the way that they traditionally thought they were able to? Yeah. Um... I think first, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for the opportunity and thank you to everyone who are, who's here. Please share this. Um, yeah. You know, I think it, it starts with the talking. It starts with knowing that you are not alone. Um, and it, it also knowing that there are options. It may not be, you know, the one that you want or the one that will fit because if you have seven, some folks have had maybe the one large fibroid, but that takes up the whole thing. It doesn't, the number, but Correct. Whatever you're experiencing, let's talk about it. Let's find ways. Um, and, and there's a bigger picture. You know, there's a bigger picture. It's not just that one surgery. Sometimes, you know, we might think, oh, if I just get this removed, we're good. But Correct. there's feelings, there's emotions, life mm -hmm. is happening. Mm -hmm. And so put yourself first in that. Um, lean on your those specific people that you know that you can trust um, and just truly know that God has a, a, such a greater purpose for whatever you're experiencing going through. It's not in vain yeah. at all. Yeah. So, um, and I just open myself up to anybody who wants to speak, you know, after, or, you know, you can, you know, message me or even Shani because we, we are open books, yeah. you know, and we're willing to talk about this because it's it's greater and we want to be able to have these conversations um, in many languages is what I hope. So that's yeah. really what I would say is just talk. Let's come together. Let's figure this out one way or another. Yeah.
Well, thank you so much, Patria, for sharing. Um, you know, you are my sister friend. Um, you know, not only, you know, my yeah. sister in Christ, but I mean, your family, you know, yeah. it's different. So, um, but I'm thankful because even though we are familiar with each other, I'm glad that we know that when there's something that we need to get to business and we need to be real about something, um, that we're able to do that. Um, and I know this is not the next, the last time that we will collaborate, you know, girl, I That's see right. you doing panels and conferences and all the things. Listen, so this yes. is the beginning, um, for both of us, because, Absolutely. you know, out of my own pain is why this is happening, why this is even taking place. And yeah. thankful that you are able to use a painful situation and turn it around for other people's good. Uh, yeah. if people do want to DM you, share your Instagram. And if you have a, a email or something that you would be open to sharing, um, share that as well. If people want to reach out to you if they have questions about your specific situation definitely so oh, my instagram shout out to my brother he created <laughs> it um the the, the uh, username or whatever it is it's a oh a lost lens nine four so a l o s t l e n s nine four um that's me on instagram and then i actually my first and last name at gmail.com so i'm patria algila all together p-a-t-r-i-a-a-l-g-u-i-l-a -A -A um at gmail.com a lot of a's yes. yeah so i'm definitely open and you can also find me on on linkedin unfortunately google has some pictures of me that need to go down i need to put some new ones and for those of you who came on here to support patria but hopefully um gain some some uh knowledge or something for me too and want to continue to keep yes. this conversation going and even more so if you have a story if you have a story that has to do with reproductive health um please 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 don't hesitate to let me know if it's something that you want to share um you can follow me at Shanice speaks now is my instagram that's actually my handle on all social media um the best email for me if you want to share your story is hi shani at shani speaks now um of course you can just dm me and um Absolutely. you can also follow me on youtube my youtube yeah. channel is shani speaks now and i'm actually going to share this on youtube as well so if you don't want to share the actual instagram link because it's going to be on my feed once i get it uploaded this week it'll be there and you can share that so please yeah. share um so that people can kind of get the word out and hear these stories because it's really really um it's just it's detrimental um, yeah but you know, I want women to be able to continue to share, for us to build that community, for us to feel like we're not alone. Thanks yeah. so much to everyone that jumped on here. There was so much encouragement on here. Yeah. Um, I, we saw your comments. I didn't stop to read all of them, but yes. I see so many people thanking you, Patria, saying how helpful it was. Mm. Um, and I'm grateful for that. I actually have my next one coming up April 23rd. So I'm going to try to do them on Sundays at six o'clock. That one will be my PCOS and miscarriage story. So it's actually a double story mm -hmm. that one of my friends will be sharing. Um, and then in mm -hmm. May, I have someone that's on this call that we will be sharing their cancer story, breast cancer to be exact. Um, we yeah. have such basic so we can figure out our exact date. <laughs> um, but, you know, the plan is to do this once a month through the end of the year and beyond. If I get more stories, I will up it to twice a month because I don't want anyone not to be able to um, share if they want to. But I'm just really grateful. I'm grateful for these platforms and I'm grateful for women yeah. like my friend Patria here who are willing to share their stories. And Patria, for you, my friend, I pray that God continues to give 
healing, create, continues to give creativity, continues you, to give you the desires to do the things that you want to do with your testimony and with your story so that you can continue to not just help other women, but help yourself in terms of mm -hmm. what's the next big thing for you because you yeah. are so gifted. You're so talented. Thank you have one of the you. biggest, most genuine, genuine hearts and generous hearts that I know Thank of you, anybody. That's why we've been friends for so long. So I like to mm -hmm. keep good people around me. And Amen. Um, you flourish in whatever it is that you want to do with the story and you know that God will thank, so, thank you all so much you're for welcome. those of you who stayed on the whole time with us for a little bit over an hour um, we don't count it as slight because we know you could be doing anything on this Sunday yeah. y'all probably cooking your Sunday dinners yeah. so thank you for being here <laughs> and that is it so I'm going to go ahead and share this on our stories but we love you guys we appreciate you yes. guys um, and just continue to look out on um, both of our pages for anything that we may have coming up in the future Definitely. regarding this or regarding anything in regards to our mm -hmm. stories of reproductive health. All right. Yeah. Take care. everyone. Yeah. God bless y'all. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Thank you so much to my special guest, Patria Aguila, for your bravery and your courage in sharing your story with us live. And if you'd like to share your story live, remember you can email me directly at hishanee at shaneespeaksnow.com or DM me directly on Instagram. Didn't get a chance to watch? Well, you can listen wherever you listen to podcasts on Shanice Speaks Now, the podcast. You know the motto, always keep the faith and let the Lord fight your battles. Thanks for watching, Faith Fam. Be sure to subscribe, share, and like this episode. And I'll see you back on my channel soon.